0: Welcome to the Faith for All podcast. This week, we will be listening to a sermon from Pastor Dana O'Brien's sermon series from September and October 2022 on Caring for the Planet. We hope you enjoy this message and that it offers some meaning for your life.
1: Our reading for today is from 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. We love because God first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they can see cannot love God whom they cannot see. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Please be seated. So, and hopefully we all got the same thing out of that. You gotta love your brother and your sister. I said it over and over again, but that's, that's what they meant. So, um, my what a difference a day makes, what a difference a week makes. I'm certainly glad we had our festival last week and not, not today. Um, so, and, and after enjoying a gorgeous fall day like I hope all of you did yesterday, it's really hard to believe that our world is suffering. It's hard to believe that in 10 or 20 or 30 years from now, things will look and feel very different right here where we live than they do today. I had always figured, I'll be honest, I had always figured that even as the planet warms, even as things get harder, the Midwest is gonna suffer least of all. We're gonna be the safest place the longest because we're far away from the coast, so we don't have to worry about rising oceans. We are far away from the west, so we don't have to worry about the droughts and the fires that are already affecting them. We've got this nice, great body of water. So I figured, you know, we're not going to have to worry about it right away. Until I saw this map that came out last month, okay, with this potential heat corridor going right up the middle of the United States all the way up to right where we live. Who would have figured that? Who would have guessed, right? Now, is this a for-sure thing? No. No, of course not. But is it a possible even a likely thing, if we don't do something now to start dealing with our warming planet, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So you know what? If you were counting on things staying the same here for the longest period of time like I was, start counting on something else. So this morning, we are in our third week of our sermon series on Caring for the Planet, otherwise known as What is God Calling Us to Do About Climate Change? And you may remember, two weeks ago, we started out by looking at what the Bible says about our relationship to the earth because it's always a really good thing to start out with what the Bible says and then move on. So we learned that while God created and continues to own the earth and everything on it, God gave humanity, all of us, this really, really important job of taking care of all that God created. To use the earth and its resources, of course, of course. But to do that, in a way that doesn't exploit the earth, that doesn't abuse the earth or anything on it, to use it in ways that, that respect all the other living creatures on this planet. We are called to care for the world the way God cares for it, with love, with love. Moreover, we are called to care for our planet with an eye toward loving our neighbors. So we don't love just our planet and the creatures on it, we love our neighbors. And we remember this, the second of Jesus huge commandments. He gives us two. It should be easy, guys. Two things we need to remember. Love God with everything we've got and love our neighbors as ourselves. And this is the second one. And it is the hardest of the two sometimes to love our neighbors, right? It demands that we do something about this warming planet, which is already harming our neighbors. If it's not harm enough, because we live right in the middle where things are still looking pretty good. They're looking like they were yesterday. It is harming our neighbors. It's harming our nearby neighbors. And we talked about this last week, all those people in Chicago whose homes and businesses were damaged because of those huge rainfalls that the city had two weeks ago on Sunday that the infrastructure just couldn't handle, right? It's harming our neighbors farther away, like those out west still dealing with fires, still dealing with droughts, like those in Puerto Rico and eastern Canada who are devastated by Hurricane Fiona. It's harming our young neighbors. It's harming even our future neighbors, right? Our kids, our grandkids who will inherit a planet that is falling apart. That's falling apart around them if, you guys, if, if we don't do something to stop it and if we don't start doing that something now, right? And of course, there's this famous passage in Matthew 25. It's one of Todd's favorite favorite passages. It's one of mine as well. What you do to the least of these, the poor, the hungry, the homeless, you do for me, says Jesus. What you do for the least of these, you do for me. And we know, we know that climate change affects the least of these more than it does the rest of us. Because the least of these are the people who are already struggling just to get by. And you throw a drought or a flood or a fire on top of that, and there's just no way they can cope. Think about those in Puerto Rico. Think about those people in Pakistan that we talked about two weeks ago who are still dealing with one-third of their country underwater, right? And that's why we're taking a noisy offering for them later today to Lutheran disaster response. We're taking that noisy offering to help them recover in the now, okay? That's in the now. But all of us, all, and when I say all of us, I don't mean just all of us here. I mean all of us, like humanity, all of us. Unless we all take action to stop this planet's warming, what happened to people in Puerto Rico, what happened to people in Pakistan is going to happen more and more around the world, and it's going to happen again and again and again, okay? Over and over. So today, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at lots of, lots of different ways that we can combat climate change, okay? Things we can do individually, things we can do collectively, but today, we're going to look at probably the most important thing that we can do right now to make a huge difference, and that's simply to talk about it. Simply to talk about it. You, you heard me. It's not replacing all our light bulbs for LED ones, it's not recycling more, it's not eating less meat, it's not even lobbying our elected officials, those, those are all good and beneficial things, and I would encourage you to do all of them, and before we're done with this sermon series, I will have encouraged you to do all of them, but right now, right now, the best thing we can do is simply talk about it. Talk about climate change. Talk about it with your family, with your friends, with people you know in your neighborhood. Talk about it at work. Talk about it wherever you find yourselves. Now, people, I am not just up here, standing here and talking, talking, excuse me. My goal is actually to get us to do it. I mean, so like this week, we will actually go out and talk to someone. (laughs) Right, somebody agrees with me. (laughs) And I think they said one, two, three people? Is that right? We're gonna talk to three people about it this week. Thank you. Um, and, and if you. And if you have a hard time introducing the concept, you know, and there's lots of different ways you can introduce it by talking about all the stuff that's going on in the world, but if you really can't think of any, anything else, blame me, okay? Our, our pastor's having a sermon series at church on climate change, and we're all supposed to go out and ask five people what they think about it, okay? And I'm asking one of you, so could you tell me, here's what I think, here's what I'd love to know what you think, if, if, you're, if that always works blaming somebody else. I told my kids to do the same thing when they were younger and it always worked. Now, since 2008, Yale University has been conducting polls to identify what Americans think about climate change. And they've identified six unique groups of people with different views on our planet's warming, okay? At one end, and you can see this on the screen, at one end you have 33% of Americans and unfortunately this was last this graph is from September of 2021, it's actually dropped back a couple of percentage in March of 2022, so we're down to maybe 30%. But anyway, we have 33% of Americans who are alarmed, okay? People who are alarmed are convinced that global warming is happening, that it's human-caused, and that it is an urgent threat, and so they strongly support climate policies. Then right next to them is a 25% figure. These are people who are concerned, concerned. Like those who are alarmed, the concerned group believe that human-supported, human-caused global warming is happening and it's a serious threat. So they also support policies uh, to, to do something about it. But they tend to believe that climate impacts are still distant, okay? still, still far away in time, sometime in the distant future, and, and like me, they're, they're going to happen someplace else. They're not going to happen right where I live. So climate change, for them, remains a lower priority issue. Okay. Then you move as, a, as you move across the continuum, you can kind of see that there as we move down, few, uh, there are fewer and fewer people who believe that climate change is actually happening or real or it impact them. And so you get to the end where you've got the dismissives who generally see climate change as a hoax, okay? Here's the really interesting finding. I mean, I find this pretty interesting, but the really interesting finding is that even though more people are taking climate change seriously, that group, um, but for the last six months, that group over time, over the last five years, that group of alarmed people has been, has been growing. So even though more people are taking climate change seriously, and even though around 70% of Americans believe that climate change is happening, they may disagree as to the cause, but they believe it's happening, they just look around them and they see it, um, few people are talking about it. Few people are talking about it and fewer people are doing anything about it, okay? We're going to talk about the doing anything about it next time except for talking about it. That's what we're going to talk about today. And that's why it's so important for us to talk about it, okay? To help people see this as an issue that impacts all of us. And specifically, when talking to those people who are already concerned, and that's probably lots of people you know, to help them see the urgency of the problem, okay? This, this idea that we need to do something now. We can't wait forever and ever and ever. I will confess, and I think I've told you already, that until, until about a month ago, I would have put myself in the concerned group, and I might have even been in a cautious group. I'm not sure. Um, I knew that our, our planet was warming. I knew, it, I knew it was an issue, but I didn't think of it as an urgent issue. It was, you know, climate change wasn't, wasn't a high priority on my list of, of social problems to address. Um, I was focused on lots of other things that were happening, um, but, but the more I looked around and saw that climate change was, was hitting me on, on, out west and in Chicago and all over the place, the more I looked around to see that it was actually happening, and the more I learned about it, the more I understood the magnitude and the urgency of the issue. Okay? Not only, and I've said this before, not only is climate change a threat multiplier, which means that it it aggravates lots of other issues we're already working to address, poverty, hunger, racism, economy, health, immigration, it's also something that needs to be dealt with now. It needs to be dealt with now. Indeed, and and you guys know this, I am really, I am not telling you anything that you don't already know. Some of the planet's effects, some of the effects of, of global warming have already happened. And there's absolutely nothing we can do to undo what's already happened, okay? The planet's average temperature has already increased. And and think about your body temperature increasing. You know, no longer are you 98.6, you're now, you know, 99 point something or 100 point something. That's just the way it is from now on. You live with a, a slight fever for the rest of your life. That's what we've got, okay? But it's not too late. It's not too late to make changes to avoid the more devastating impacts of climate change. And that's what we're all about, okay? And while lots of things are already being done, and we'll, like I say, we're going to look at a lot of that over the next couple weeks, more needs to be done, and it needs to be done faster. And that's why it's, all, it's important that all of us get involved. So talking to people is important. It's important to help them see that this is an issue that impacts all of us, and that this one needs to be addressed now. But it's, okay, but, and we know this, it's not helpful to hit people over the head with loads of facts and scientific data. It's not helpful to be triumphalistic and tell people that you know better than they do, right? What is helpful? And we know this every time we talk about people who have different views than us. What's helpful is to simply reach out and share stories. Share stories. Share stories about the impacts of climate change that have affected you or people you know, things that you've actually experienced, and then find out what the people that you're talking to care about, right? What, find out what they, what they value, what, what they love. Remember last week when we talked about how climate change impacts so much of our daily life? Well, odds are that climate change and our warming planet impacts things that the people you're talking to care about as well. All we need to do is help them connect the dots, right? They already care about climate change, they just may not realize that it's impacting stuff that they love, that it's impacting people that they love. So, Talking about climate change is important to remember to help raise awareness and to, to help people understand the impact and urgency. But talking to people is important for a second reason. Okay? Remember those Yale researchers I talked about earlier? Well, they found, and this is, well anyway, they found the majority of those 33% of people, the ones who are alarmed and really concerned about this and are supporting policies, a majority of them don't actually know what they or others can do to solve the problem. They don't actually know what they can do. So they're alarmed, but they don't know what to do about it, okay? And we can assume that if lots of the people who are alarmed and staying up on this issue don't know what to do, we can be pretty certain that most of the other people in that continuum have no clue as as to what to do either. So that's what we're going to be focusing on starting next week. Because, you guys, there is absolutely nothing worse than being really concerned, really alarmed by something, but but not knowing what you can do about it, not thinking there's maybe nothing that you can do about it. But that is definitely, definitely not true for climate change. In addition to talking about it, there are lots of things that we can do to combat it. And the more we know about what we can do, the more hopeful we'll feel about addressing this problem both individually and collectively. So by the time we're done with this, all of us are going to go out, out armed with all sorts of things that we can do with the knowledge that if we do those things and if we encourage other people to do these things, things are going to change and things are going to turn around for our kids, for our grandkids, the world that we're called to love. So it may look like I'm segueing, but no, I'm not. Remember Dan? Well, remember I mentioned earlier that that Friday was the 10th anniversary of this congregation's vote. I I say Dan because he was the one that reminded me. It was the uh, 10th anniversary of this congregation's vote to adopt our welcome statement and to become a reconciling Christ congregation. And that's a, for those of you who don't know, it's a congregation who very intentionally welcomes all people. It's what our welcome statement says out there. And those of you who were here at the time, and I know that's a lot of you sitting here today, um, those of you who were here at the time, you remember, I'm sure you remember that those votes came after a lot of soul searching. They came after a fair amount of conflict. Despite the congregation's history, a lot of people, a lot of people weren't in favor of that welcome statement. A lot of people left over it. A lot of, a lot of a big, big givers left, a lot of leaders left, right? So when you guys adopted that statement back in 2020, 2012, You knew you were taking a big risk. You knew it was a risk. It wasn't easy, but you also knew that it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. It was what God was calling you to do. That vote in 2020, 2012, I don't know why I have to to say that, was a defining moment. It was a defining moment in the congregation's history, and it continues to be a huge part of our identity today, at least, at least it's, it's who we try to be, and I think I like to think that it is who we are on our best days, right? We don't always live, live up to the, to the welcoming statement, but on our best days, on our best days, that's exactly who we are. And I remind all of that, us all of that today, not simply because it's the 10th anniversary, but that's a pretty cool reason to do that. It's in its own right, it's a big deal. But also, because as a congregation that does our best to follow God's lead in the world, we are often called to do things that are not easy. We are often called to do things that are not easy. We are sometimes called to do things that involve change. Sometimes called to, to involve things that, do, that are risky, right? It's not, we can't just sail along. And so this, um, I, I'm going to call your attention to this picture up there. This picture is the, the setup behind me. And every day at about 4 o'clock, although that's changing as as the day grows shorter, the sun comes around and it captures the rainbow from the window and the cross right behind this, right in the middle of that picture. And so I need that, and and I come in here often to see that because it shows me how God is so in this, right? We've got the Old Testament rainbow, God's promise, We've got the cross on which Jesus redeemed the entire world, and we've got that mixed in with this new future, this new future of a climate that is rejuvenated and redeemed just like we're working toward. So um, if you want to come in at 4 in the afternoon to see it, that's fine. But otherwise, just look look at that picture when you need inspiration because taking action to combat climate change isn't easy either, right? It's risky, and it involves a lot of change. And I know none of us like change, even good change, because change is scary. Heck, I'm old, and as my daughter told me yet again just the other day, I'm gonna be dead before anything really awful happens. She loves to tell me that. So the easiest thing for me would be to keep living like I'm living now, right? In fact, maybe I should even take it up a notch, by really turn my heat up in the winter and blast my AC in the summer, right? But that's not what we're called to do. That's not what it means to care for God's world and to love our neighbors. So people, as we continue through this climate change series, we need to remember who we are. We need to remember that we are a congregation that follows God's call even when it isn't easy even when it takes work, even when it involves change, even when it makes us a little uncomfortable. Because people, that's what it means to live out our identity as followers of Jesus. That's what it means to be God's church in this place. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you're able to bring some of these concepts into your life. Come back next week for another episode of Faith for All. Faith for All was created by Cross of Glory Church. If you'd like more information on Cross of Glory, please visit our webpage at crossofglory.com where you can learn more about the church, see our upcoming events, and watch previous services and sermons. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Everyone, and we do mean everyone, is welcome to join us at 9.30 a.m. each Sunday morning for worship on our website, Facebook, YouTube, or in person at 14719 West 163rd Street, Homer Glen, Illinois. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, family, and anyone else you can think of about it. Faith for All is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you find podcasts. Todd Mazzara created our original music, John Yuzardo engineered the sound, Jeff Wanderson handled the production duties, and I'm your friend and humble announcer, Andrew Morin.